This is episode two of the Yoakum Strength Podcast with Austin Yoakum and me, Greg Ebosher. Real defeat, other than death itself, is psychological in nature. If you're still alive, you can still win. Mm-hmm. So that's a quote from the book um, called The Fighting Man. Um, it was a book written pre-World War II where for the U.S. Army, for members who were being drafted and who were signing up to go fight the German military. And, um, I mean, they have never, these men, American men had never seen um, an enemy so evil. They'd never seen anything so evil in their lives, and they didn't know how to face it. And so this book was written to prep them for the horrors that they would soon endure and face and the defeat that they were bound to face because defeat in life and in war is just, it's inevitable. And um, so this quote is an accurate representation of how, of one of the many ways you can look at defeat, probably the healthiest way you can look at defeat. Yeah, exactly. And I think what this allows you to do is it gives you a choice. Um, As long as you're alive, you can still win. As long as you're still going, as long as you're not actually dead, your options are still open. You can create a path, you can go somewhere with it. And the reason we say this quote today is because we have somebody with us um, that has inspired me, that has uh, really been the foundation of what I've built this um, company off, what I've tried to build my life off, what I've really strived to be in my life, and somebody that really identifies this quote to where no matter the struggles that he goes through, uh, as long as he's alive, he can still win. As long as, he's, as long as he faces something and he's still alive, he's still kicking, he can still dominate it. So with us today, we got Coach Herm. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. I'm freaking pumped to have you. Huh? <laughs> I, I've been talking to you up to all these people all the time, and just I'm really excited. So I hope I can live up to the bill. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you will. You will. You, you're gonna impress them. So, um, just want to start off and tell the listeners that don't really know who you are a little bit about yourself, um, okay. where you come from, background, that type right, of stuff. Right. Um, well, I'm a I'm a college football coach and a strength coach as well. Um, I started off as a little kid in Toledo, Ohio, um, back how many years ago, which is a long time. Uh, grew up in Toledo as a, as a child and then uh, eventually moved to Chicago where I did my, uh, my high school years, was, was in Chicago. Where did you uh, go to high school? Went to Stag High School. Stag. Stag oh, High School. Yeah. Amos Alonzo Stag High School. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do you remember Stag High School? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know Stag High School. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so I went there and then uh, from there I went to Winona State. Um, was able to participate in two sports there, and then um, what of, sports I, I played football. Or I, okay. I should say I should preface. I tried to play football and I tried to wrestle. So I knew that I wanted to coach those two areas um, when I got a job and hoping to get a job. And I thought that that background in the collegiate setting would be beneficial, and and I think it was. Um, then I got a job in Foley where I met this guy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, started in Foley in 1982 and coached uh, every level of football at Foley, from junior high on up to, to high school and varsity, and obviously the head coach for a while. And then um, when I retired, I, I knew I wasn't done, so I, uh, I talked to Steve Johnson down here at Bethel, and uh, both of my sons had played here, and so I got to know the coaching staff, and so uh, he gave me, a, gave me an opportunity that has blossomed in now to a, a repurposed retirement. So oh, I'm a, awesome. um, yeah. I'm not the head strength coach. The, the, the head strength coach is Coach Meyer, who's uh, amazing. Um, and so I'm the uh, I'm his assistant, and I I pretty much run his programs and uh, 
work with virtually every team in the on the campus. So mm -hmm. absolutely, yeah. Um, so now you said you played. You were a wrestler and a football player growing up. Yeah, I played football and and at Stag, and then I uh, played football at, at Winona State. Um, wasn't gonna wrestle at Winona State. I wrestled through high school, and then I uh, decided to. Uh, they had an open tournament right after Christmas break, so I went home as a freshman. I wasn't out for wrestling yet, and did some wrestling with the team and kind of got the bug again. So I jumped into the open tournament and did all right. And uh, the coach said, you know, you really should come to our room. And uh, back then, I, I think they were, uh, they had just moved from NAIA to uh, NCAA Division One, I, I think. Oh, wow. And so I was able to redshirt. Um, and I kind of got in the, right at the last second. And then they, we moved down to a different division. We were Division Two, but uh, so I wrestled uh, for four years there as well. So. Oh, wow. Again, mainly just because I love sports, and not that I was good, just that I was able to participate and have fun and right. enjoy. What know, what class did you wrestle in in college? <laughs> um, wrestled anywhere from 134 to 158, <laughs> and the, the weight classes were different back then. Um, but I typically had all Americans or, or national qualifiers at different weight classes, so I just found a way to get on the team. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> I was light, and sometimes I was light, still light, and the other guys that were wrestling were really big. So, but. Uh, but it was a great experience, and I, I learned a lot from the, I learned a lot from the experience. Right, absolutely. So two of those um, trips. What took you from, first of all, Chicago to Winona? Like, what was that trip like? And then, how did you come back to the small town of like Foley? Was it? Well, I, I believe it or not, there was I was in a, I think an English class, and somebody had a catalog on their desk that was Winona State's catalog. You know, where you yep. could browse through it. We didn't have the internet back then, <laughs> so you couldn't do anything like that. So I just looked. Oh, this looks kind of interesting. So. Took a trip and really enjoyed the area, and uh, that's where I landed. Okay. So uh, then, you know, getting out of school there, I, uh, I had a physical education degree and health degree as well, and uh, lo looking for a job. And so I put out letters of application everywhere. And um, as it turned out, um, I had already enrolled in school down in Rochester for a to be a respiratory therapist because I wasn't finding a teaching job. Uh, about one week before the um, school year began. I got a phone call. Uh, would you like to come and interview for a teaching job? I said, of course I would. So um, drove up to Foley and um, it was for, a, it had everything I needed. It was, I, was, I had driver's education, I had health education, I had, I had wrestling, which was a big thing to it, and, and of course physical education. Because a man who just took a year's leave of absence to go to Monticello, um, that was what he was doing. But the kicker was that my wrestling coach from uh, college had taught and coached in Foley before, and so there was a connection. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a connection already with the athletic director. He was one of his friends. And so he called that man, and then he gave me a great recommendation. And so there I was. <laughs> Landed up in for, small for, town of Foley. First year, first job I ever had, and the last job I ever had yeah. in so, high school. So this, is, so this leads me into my question that I had asked you. I asked Austin. Um, on my way in here, I said, he's, he's married. And he said, yeah, he's been married for quite some time. So, um, you're from, you're basically from Chicago, which is where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And yep. um, so you had to move to a town of 500 people in order to find your wife. So, how, what was that process like? <laughs> well, I found my wife in, in a, at a racquetball court in, in college. So, <laughs> okay. Okay. So, right. so the neat thing about that was uh, um, we didn't know each other and. Um, I, I met her once in a, at a racquetball court in, we had a racquetball class. And so I, you know, hi. Yeah. But she was, what was great about Sue is she 
always smiled and she was the friendliest person on campus I think and yeah. so so I remember one day she was walking down the street and or down the sidewalk and she said hi to me I went hi back and, <laughs> and I got I gotta I gotta find out who this girl is <laughs> and um without the internet without the internet yeah, you had to find out. so I had to connect with friends and know who she was <laughs> hanging out with and then I found out she really liked going to the library because she was a nursing student so, <laughs> yes. so I went to the library that like the first time probably <laughs> I started you know camping out near yeah, where she was and then finally you know we finally we connected and it's weird um, you're here yeah. still still married for 36 years that's awesome yeah, that's yeah, great so. stuff and that's she's from a small town in southern Minnesota too so okay. Um, so the small town piece right. wasn't hard for her, okay. and it wasn't hard for me. I, I really enjoy small towns. Absolutely, absolutely. All of our football coaches told us in uh, in college, if you meet a Minnesota girl, you're gonna end up staying your life in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. That's, they yeah. say that Minnesota girls don't ever leave. The theory proves true yet again. But there that, you go. That's right. awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Um, okay, as we move forward, um, do you have? Do you have any other hobbies or interests that you would like to make us uh, anything that maybe Austin doesn't know <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. I really like uh, road biking. Yeah, road I, bike. I like to road bike. Oh, um, yeah. um, I've done that since high school. One of my uh, assistant wrestling coaches uh, from high school was really into it, mm -hmm. and he kind of got me into it, and we started biking together, and uh, we actually rode our bikes from Winona to Chicago once. Oh, I was going to bring it up. Yeah, yeah, so we rode uh, four four full days, uh, we, two half days <laughs> and two two full days. Um, I don't ride that far anymore. I really wish I could. But was I, that uh, in college? That was in college. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I left at the end of a school year. We said let's just ride our bikes home. So we rode our bike home. So. And you, but you, um, you, a couple summers ago, you biked to the cities from Foley, correct? I've done that before. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. On multiple yeah. occasions. Yeah. Not multiple. No. I mean, um, it's really not as far as you think. It's only 60-some miles. So, I mean, oh, yeah, I you can you get that in a day. You can. Oh, easy. Easy, easy right. yeah. yeah. It's so, so with, what, if back to home to Chicago is 600 miles? No, it was because uh, it was from Winona. Oh, yeah. So, it was, it, I think it added up to about 400 miles. So, so. What, what, what was that process like? It was pretty cool. Um, what did you? We, my a buddy of mine, a, a buddy of mine had done it before, and he said, "Let's let's do it again." I said, mm -hmm. I'll, "I'm all I'm all for it." So we uh, we set our college schedule around our biking. So we biked in the morning, we biked in the afternoon. Uh, when spring ball hit, you know, I stopped biking for that period of time. But um, there's a hill, and I don't know if anybody's familiar with it, but in Winona, there's a hill called Garvin Heights, which is a crazy incline, and uh, we would ride that every morning. Uh, and then kind of tool around in the back country. And we'd, every morning we'd get about 15 miles, and then in the evening we'd, we'd get anywhere from 20 to 25, 30 miles. Yeah, so, I, I wrote so. down on the sheet, uh, I was going to have you tell the impressive story of you biking from Foley to <laughs> the cities. And I, that blew, when you were telling me about that a couple summers ago, it blew yeah. my yeah. mind. I was like, I hate that car ride. Like, that's a long car ride. <laughs> and, I drive that car ride every day. Right? Yeah, and he's, he's going through this. And then yeah. <laughs> from Winona to Chicago, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I've, no, I've no, story Remember, before. I was a little bit younger then too. So, yeah. so um, but you know, I, I guess... When you put your mind to some things, and I guess this can fold into anything mm -hmm. that you're talking about, you put your mind to something, you can do a lot of stuff. I mean, you really can. Um, and if it's fun for you, it's even better. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you can get a friend or somebody that enjoys it as well, even if it's a grind or a strain, 
um, you can strain and grind together. Exactly. And now I ride with Shane Keating, which is an amazing story in itself. Um, we butted heads in high school when he was a student and I was his teacher. And now we ride bike together. It's awesome. And so yeah, he's kind of my biking buddy. And wow. we bike uh, in the summertime. We try to bike a couple times a week together. So okay. it's kind of cool. And is he, he's, a, he's from Chicago then? No, he's, he's, uh, he's, from, uh, he's from Foley. From Foley. Uh, as oh, a matter okay. of fact, the, the backstory on this is that his dad was the person I replaced in the teaching oh, job. Really? Yeah, and, and, and Tom was a great man. He, okay. Tom ended up dying in a car accident, and he was a fantastic man. And um, he had uh, two sons and a daughter. And, and Shane, who the guy I ride bike with, um, he was one of my students, and we butted heads. Yeah. I mean, he actually showed me some stuff that yeah. I wrote on parent-teacher conferences. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, you know. You know, needs better communication skills, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so he showed that to me. But, um, but long story short, so here was somebody that you would not even imagine the two of us doing anything together back then. Mm-hmm. And now as adults, yeah. we're buddies. We go out, our, go out with our wives together. We, awesome. you know, yeah, so it's, you never know what could happen with right. friendships and whatnot. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. I really like that point of how when you're grinding through something, if you have somebody with you. It makes a big difference. It makes it so much better. That's, that's, what I, that's what I was bringing up on these quotes. It was like, the quote I heard a while back, and it just made me think of playing football with people and that type of thing, but it was, it was the man working alone that has the hardest job to combat, combat his own desires to lie down and succumb to his fatigue. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how it's so much harder being going through that process alone yeah. because as soon as you get down, like no, nobody's there to pick you up. Nobody's there to do yeah. it with you. And I, I, th- I really liked how you brought that up and just tied it in. That actually reminds me too, um, with you saying that, I think it was it was our, mine and Austin's, I think, third or fourth week um, at St. Thomas football camp. Um, and the school had just started, and, like, finally, thank God, there's other people here other than football players. <laughs> and we were just thrilled. Yeah. And I I hadn't spoken a lick to Austin yet. Like, oh. I, saw, I saw him come in. This kid was wearing wrestling shoes. He's pretty big and strong. With long hair. I was like, who is this kid? He hasn't said two words, and I haven't said two words. But he looks like he knows how to lift. I'm gonna ask him some questions. So I asked him some questions, and and I quickly found out he felt as terrible about the whole ordeal as me. And I think I think mm-hmm. that was one of my first. Uh, and I think we were both able to kind of develop some sort of a bond right then and there in the in the suffering and the grind. And yeah. um, and now I mean now four years later, you know, right. great friends and. and doing this crap. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I, and I can't quote it, but there's actually a biblical scripture that backs that up. Oh, yeah. Where it's important to be with people. Mm. You know, whether you're worshiping or working or grinding or fighting or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, talk about war. Mm. You know, you can't win a war by yourself. Yeah. You know, you need to have people with you that you can bond together and that's, that's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's all. That's all great stuff. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So now you're at Bethel, and you are the assistant strength coach. So you so you retired from yeah. Foley, and then yeah. what, what what was that? You got, you retired. But yeah, you were back at work. Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> why? I, my my sons asked me that same question. Dad, why do you work? <laughs> because I love it. Yeah. I don't work. Um, to be honest with you, I haven't worked a day in my life. Um, where I have come. When I went to when I was teaching at Foley, you know, I drove about a half a mile, if that, and sometimes I rode my bike or I walked <laughs> or whatever. But um, I never felt like 
my job was a job. Mm -hmm. It was, and, and it really wasn't because I taught Phi Ed, I got to play badminton, I got to, you know, play basketball with kids and wrestle. And, kick uh, me out of gym class. Kick you out of gym, did I really? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, go to the weight room and help people out in the weight room. To me, that's not work. Yeah. Now I do have a job, and it's called an hour and six minute commute, <laughs> which is the job, you know. So you're commuting from Foley. I'm commuting from Foley. So okay. that's my job. But when I get here, it's not a job anymore. It's, uh, it's amazing to work with, uh, work with athletes in general. Uh, I had a great time working with uh, high school athletes and um, having an unbelievable time working with college athletes now. So sure. it's, uh, it's amazing. And so how did this opportunity at Bethlehem come about? Yeah, so um, again, I you know, kind of I, I talked to Coach Johnson and you know, did he have a spot on his football team where maybe I could be an assistant coach or you know, whatever the case might be. And, um, and, and he worked that out, so I, I did. I actually coached defense for a year. Um, while I was doing that, um, I met Coach Meyer, who's mm -hmm. the head strength coach, and he's also a linebacker coach. And I said, you know, um, I really love your facility. I just want to watch sometimes, come in and see how you train people, and plus, you know, and do all that stuff. And then, as it as it turned out, he he needed some help in there. So uh, a couple of us there was another uh, a gal that uh, coaches soccer at that time, and uh, he hired us both on as kind of part timers. So I would teach it. Beth or at Foley for a half a day after we retired. It was like three classes I taught in the morning. Mm -hmm. Then I'd go home, have lunch, jump in a car, and drive down here and, and coach in their weight room, uh, you know, from about two o'clock to six o'clock. Mm -hmm. Did that three times a week and really enjoyed it and mm -hmm. had fun. And I was uh, really humbled because I knew nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I coached and taught for 36 years or 35 years and, and try to give people the basics. But, you know, when you get to this level, it's beyond the basics. Mm -hmm. and, so it was a huge learning curve for me, and still is. Um, I learned something new every single day. Um, and so then he asked, well, what would it take for you not to do anything at Foley? And I said, well, this is what I would kind of need. And um, he found a way to make that work. And so now I basically have a .85 strength and conditioning job here at Bethel, and, and I coach a little football on the side. So um, during the football season, I, you know, when school hits, I'm only on the football field probably two or three days a week. Um, because then I'm with teams that are in off season. So, you know, I'll be working with baseball or basketball or whoever it is in the fall, um, working with them. And then uh, as it turns out, then I can go out and go to the practice field on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, during August, obviously, I'm there the whole time. Uh, during spring ball, I go to get to as many practices as I can. Mm -hmm. So, and I attend every meeting and, you know, video as much as I can. So I really love football. And, and at, at first, he kind of wanted me maybe to step back from that. And I said, you know, I. I've been involved in football for 50 years, from playing to coaching. I, I can't. Is there some way we can work this out? And um, I'm glad he saw the value in me being here, and um, which is awesome. Um, so I'm indebted to you, Rick. Um, but then, you know, to get that football piece as well as the weight room piece, it's like it's really it's, cool. You got the dream job. It's awesome. It. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to like say, when he says he knows nothing, uh, he totally undersells himself there. When we. Um, we worked out with you, Coach. Like you talked about the basics, and that's like you just laid down the foundation for us. And like you brought us all in. You actually spent the time to teach us. I mean, you were the head football coach, and you spent the time to teach us how to lift. Uh, you gave us a program. It was structured, and I, I can't tell you how many guys go into high school uh, or actually, sorry, go into college, and they just I mean they have no idea, and they have no idea about the culture of what a weight room is supposed to be. They have no idea about even just the foundational movements of a weight room, mm -hmm. and then they have no idea of the importance of it mm -hmm. and just uh, like you talk about knowing nothing and I think you might have been missing out on some of the what's in the weight room but you're like your why in the weight room and 
you, what you instilled in a lot of us. And when I posted your name on the Instagram yesterday and telling them like we're interviewing with you, that was the biggest thing I got from everybody. It was talking about how, make sure you tell him how much he's impacted me. Make sure you tell him the positive impact he's had. Make sure you tell him the foundation he's laid. It's like, I, I don't want, I don't want people to think when you say you knew nothing, I, I think that's a lie. I think you're underselling yourself <laughs> well, there because yeah. the foundation you laid for a lot of people in their lives and that's what they need at that point. And, True, yeah. You know, and, that, and that's what they need. They need that foundation to go forward and then sure. somebody else can help them at this next level. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that. I, I mean, you know, I knew, I knew some things, but you know, I, when you get into the collegiate setting, there's so much more stuff with injury prevention and, and you know, prehab and rehab and then and then how to set up different cycles and whatnot. And um, that's the stuff I'm learning now. Mm -hmm. And a great mentor with, with Coach Meyer. Um, it's funny, he's my mentor. He's 30-some years old. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that whole piece to it is uh, something I've learned. And quite honestly, they, I, I learned stuff from your from your uh, your pod, or your little thing on Instagram, too. <laughs> I have picked up a few things off of that. So it's kind of neat that, you know. And I think that's something maybe to be said is that you can never stop learning. Exactly. And it doesn't matter if you're learning from someone younger or someone older. It doesn't matter. Learn. I learn from the guys in the room all the time and the ladies in the room all the time. Um, I learn from people who are much older than I am, and I learn from people much younger than I am. So as soon as you can drop that ego, and I know I, I have ego. I mean, I know that there was times where I would, yeah, you can't do that. And it's like the stuff I'm doing now. Yeah. So, and I remember some specific things where I really kind of, maybe didn't uh, react very well to something that someone was showing me. And now it's like, God, that makes a lot of sense. I wish I could go back and tell that guy, like, man, you make a lot of sense, <laughs> you know? So just don't ever stop learning. That's freaking awesome. That we talked, so we talked about this last week, talking about we're, not, we're always apprentices, never masters. Oh, that's, and if, that's and if somebody ever tells you that they're a master, like that's where your red flag yeah. should be on. Yeah, I, I freaking, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. What was the, so what was the, like the light bulb uh, in your head that like sparked that re was it always there that you knew that you always needed to learn or because you talked about your ego, like what was the spark that realized I need to shut down this ego and open myself yeah. up and start to learn? I think, I think it was maturity okay. or just age. Um, you know, once you hear from other coaches and, you know, just working with the coaches I did in the high school, like Lyle Freudenberg and, and Dave Dahlstrom and, you know, Tom Lawrence and those guys from old school back when I first started out you at know, Foley to, legend. to as we, as we kind of moved through it at, you know, with our careers and then working together and then starting to learn that I need to be reliant upon other people. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a head football coach, my first year, I coordinated the offense and the defense. <laughs> What a ding dong! You know? <laughs> Within one year, I knew I couldn't do that anymore. So I, I, I handed it off to Kevin Hansen. He, he was my defensive coordinator, and then we had, you know, Roy Hannenberg and Michael Johnson and Chris Gross, and so we've had people. I then I then said, you know what? I need an offensive coordinator. So what am I going to do? Well, I what I tried to do after that, then I, you know, Dave became our offensive coordinator, and um, Dave Dahlstrom. For those of you who don't know who it was, to me, I think maybe that was the point where I finally learned. You know what? Let's do this as a as a community, and not just be a one man show. Mm -hmm. And when you can when you can have people do what they love, then they actually become that part of your group. Mm -hmm. So you're not doing something by just one person, but you have a, a couple of you doing something, and it makes a world of difference. Um, I think that might have been when I finally decided that 
You know, I can learn from everybody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who it is. That's freaking awesome. Have, so, you, have you have you read the book Game the Game Changer? Game Changer? No. They talk about that a lot. I don't read books. Okay. I they really? have to have pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm notoriously the worst reader. Whoa. I love hearing about it, but I, I, I and I I'm trying to read more. I, I do know how to read, but it's <laughs> it's a slow process. <laughs> That's what so, all the years of football does. Yeah. 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 But in, in that book, they talk about how the greatest organizations realize that. The quicker they realize that, the better. The quicker they realize that they need to focus on the interdependence of people and like mm-hmm. you focus on their strengths and your strengths. And like mm-hmm. the, the organizations that fail um, are organizations that have a leader that wants to be the dude. The dude. He, wants to, he wants to overrule everything. Yeah. And then his weaknesses get exposed because he tries to spread them out too thin. Sure. And that type yeah, of thing. Totally, so, totally agree with that. Yes. Yeah. so true. I've lived it. I've lived that. So, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, for anybody who's listening, all one of you. <laughs> I'm, me, me and Coach Herm have just met, and so I'm a 23 year old kid. I have no idea what I want to do with my life. Um, now, what was the moment for you? How did you know that you wanted to be um, a coach and a gym teacher? What, yeah. what was? I, I just I'm trying to figure yeah. out what I want to do, and yeah. just trying to ask as many people that all I right. would want to live like um, right. so so how did you know that that's what you wanted to do you know I I, I liked science back mm-hmm. in the day um, mm-hmm. but I liked more biology and like the body mm-hmm. I loved anatomy and stuff like that and the science piece like physics and chemistry did not work for me <laughs> uh, I'm not a numbers guy I can't read it. I don't like numbers. <laughs> not a good situation <laughs> um, so I really liked physiology and that kind of stuff and so when I got involved with, um, with school, I, I was more of a biology major and looking at trying to be a uh, kind of like a wildlife management type thing out, okay. out in the woods and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I always liked that. Um, but things were going well. School was not going well for me in, in those classes I knew I was going to need. So I met a, a gal, and she wasn't my girlfriend, just a friend. And she was, uh, was kind of going to school to be a counselor. And she kind of took me as her, her project, I think. <laughs> and uh, Carol Goodrich, if you're out there, thank you. Um, but her name is Carol, and she kind of knew what I liked and what I enjoyed, and she said, Larry, you should be a health education teacher because you're gonna get the science stuff, and you love sports, so be a physical education teacher. And you and when that all happens, and I love, you know, I love football, I know I'm never gonna be playing beyond this, how can I still be involved with sport? And to me, it was, you know, try to be a coach. And, and so that's kind of why I jumped into sports, you know, big time at Winona State and, and tried to absorb as much as I could. And, and that's kind of what, you know, what made my, that deal happen. Awesome. Yeah, so awesome. that's kind of how I did it. I, yeah. I don't know if that helps you or not. No, no, it does. I <laughs> yeah. mean, you, yeah, were, so. you were, you paid attention to your likes and dislikes. And I mean, right, yeah. It's something I didn't do a whole lot of in college. I kind of just put the blinders on and studied what I thought I, I, mean, I don't know. But sure. yeah, no, it helps. Every yeah. little bit helps. So yeah. thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. You bet. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, okay, and I have one last big question. Uh, me and probably everybody back at St. Thomas who is associated with Yoakum Strength, we all want to know what was a young freshman <laughs> Austin Yoakum like when he walked in the doors of Poly High School. He was uh, awesome. Really. He. He wasn't boisterous or loud, or he wasn't one of those guys who you had to, you know, tell listen up. He was always listening. Oh, I bet that. He was. He was always listening. 
and he always did what I asked him to do. Uh, I think we moved you around a few times mm -hmm. in, your, in, your, in your career, and it was never, no, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. um, he always had that attitude of, what can I do to make our team better? Mm -hmm. um, what can I do to make myself better? And um, so I'm grateful for that kind of stuff. I mean, right. there's kids that stick out, you know, when you think about your career, and mm -hmm. there's kids that stick out from all of my years, and, and Austin's one of those guys that sticks mm -hmm. out because of his total um, thoughtfulness of, right. of his team. Right. And so that yeah. epitomized. I think that that's a huge thing because we, we spoke about this a lot last week about how Austin obviously had a lot of great success in, in college. And um, I mean, the statistics are great, but at the end of the day, it was Austin showing up. I mean, showing up, putting in the time, extra hours, and being a team first person, you know? Like, mm -hmm. the statistics aren't what you chase. It's, yeah, no, it's, I'm not surprised to hear that at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's nothing goofy, though, no. that he did? He never did anything stupid? He, he might have, but it was probably when I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably when you weren't watching. But I wasn't watching. I, I do want to bring up two points, though, now that we're talking about the high school routes. Um, so I want to bring up that Coach Herm kind of saved me twice in life. And when I went to this high school, a freshman guy, I started to hang out with some of the seniors on that team. So I'm hanging out with some of the older guys. And uh, we, we would go party, like, a lot. And this is my freshman year. Uh, I'd stay with these older guys, and we'd drink probably two or three nights a week and pretty heavily. And Wonderful. <laughs> just, no, I mean, nobody really knew. I would just, like, get picked up. And um, I didn't, I started hanging out with these because I thought it was cool. I thought I was hanging out with these cool guys older than me they're like okay I'm sweet like I made it I started to realize that these guys are like not cool their lives are kind of falling apart they're getting in trouble and I needed something else to latch on to that kind of made sense to me and Coach Herm's message about working hard and like the process that it's going to take to grow to be an athlete to be the man you want to be and that's that's one of the biggest things you talked about is like being the man you want to be and another thing you said all the time is if you quit on this you'll quit in marriage you said that all the time in your life. You quit on this, you quit on marriage. And I totally believe it. If you, if you quit on the small things, if you quit on stuff like that, you're going to quit on the big things. Uh, nothing's too small. No. Nothing's too small. So that was like the first time. Like I was a freshman in high school, totally lost. I had no direction in my life. And you gave me a little direction. I mean, it, it seems stupid. It seems silly. But I walked in that weight room. And I'm like, I kind of fit in here. I, I like the message that we're getting. I kind of fit in here. I'd rather be here than with these guys. And that was the first time. Second time, I go to St. Thomas. I had no idea. I, I went there. I didn't know anybody there. Uh, I just kind of went off a whim because I talked to Coach Caruso. I was inspired. I was ready to go. And I went there. spent the whole season. I had a busted up ankle and didn't have a very successful season. And, like, by the time I graduated high school, football was, like, kind of my why. Like, I was really passionate about it. Like, you had instilled that in me. I loved it. I loved the sport. And I got to St. Thomas, and I'm like, this is going to be a process. Like, I love this sport. I'm going to be able to score touchdowns. I played fullback. I never, we never touched the ball in high school. I was a blocker, like, going yeah. nose guard, yes, that sort are. of thing. Uh, and I'm like, I'm going to score touchdowns. I'm going to play on this team in the cities, you know, like coming from that small town, like, you go to the cities. It's like, this is sweet. It's like, it's going to be, and it just didn't work out. And it was just, I was beat down. I didn't know anybody there. The, the sport wasn't working out. And I was kind of like losing my love for everything. And, and I sent you a text message talking about my ankle asking if I could do anything to fix it and just talking about how I was thinking about transferring, thinking about quitting uh, football. I just wasn't feeling great about myself and my life. And you didn't send something super like long or 
you know, like long back, you sense basically keep chopping wood. That, that's what you sent to me at the end of your message. It was like, I love you. Keep chopping wood. Um, and I was like, shit, he's right. Like he told me like, if you quit on this, you'll quit on your marriage. Like if you quit on these small things, you're going to quit on the big things in your life and you're just going to keep going. So he told me to just keep working at it. And that's like totally just clicked in my head. Like, and I thought of that quote again. I'm like, if I quit on this, what else am I going to quit on in life? Like if I quit on this, what else in my life am I going to allow myself to quit on? Um, what am I going to let into my life when that football's gone? How like complacent am I going to be as a human? And that's the second time you really saved me. And to where I was like, you see something in me right now that I don't see in myself, but I know it's there. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of like opened up that avenue to me that like, I didn't see it yet, but I was like, he has enough faith in me to where if I just keep going at it, it, it it's there somewhere. And I just like... I wanted to prove you right so much. So I was like, I'm, I'm, well, not, you sure I'm, did, didn't I'm you? not, I'm not going to let you down basically. And I was like, really want to bring up those two points because like every, everybody back home knows how inspiring you are and like the foundation you lead. But like, I just want the viewers to know, like that's the impact you've had on your mm-hmm. strength. That's the impact you've had on my life. Wow. It's, it's a lot to, a lot to think about, you know? And I think something that I heard this uh, a couple weeks ago was that, when we speak, when we say things to people, people will listen to it and they will remember. And I think about things that I said that maybe wasn't so great for some people. And, and maybe I, I beat them down too much. I don't remember those. And, and quite honest with you, I mean, I've talked with enough athletes and worked, you know, I may not even remember yeah. sending that to you. Mm-hmm. So we as people have got to really understand what we say to people, people listen to and take it to heart. And I guess, um, you know, just going through stuff I've been going through and whatnot, that how we treat people is so important. Um, and I wish I could rewind my life and, and fix some of those other things that maybe, maybe I got down on someone too hard or maybe I changed a, or maybe I, I pulled a kid out of a position or, you know, and I tried to think through those things, but they didn't always work. And so there's times where you, you kind of wish you could have some things back, you know. Um, I'm really glad that that worked out for you, though, yeah. and it worked out in a big way. So, yeah. so. Uh, I kind of want to, like, wind that into you talked about the relationships that you, you, you wish you could rewind. Mm-hmm. Um, for people that don't have to rewind yet, what would be your message then? Like, what, what's your focus? Just... How would, how would you tell people not to have those same mistakes where when they, they don't want to feel like they have to rewind, if that mm-hmm. makes sense? You know, there's this old cliches, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say nothing. <laughs> you know, and that's not, that's not true life because there's times where you have to, as a coach, as an employer, as a boss, maybe even as an employee, you have to be able to communicate. Yeah. Um, but as far as communication, you know, sometimes you might have to rehearse it. If it's something that's really hard, you may have to rehearse it with some, you know, yourself or with somebody that you know. And what I mean by that is that if you're going to be talking to, let's say, let's say I'm a boss and, and you're my employee mm-hmm. and there's some things that you're not doing that's right, okay, how am I going to affect you in a positive way and not a negative way? Mm-hmm. When I come to you, I got to make sure that I'm not just flying off the handle and just saying stuff that I probably wasn't prepared to say. So, especially in those important things, um, and as a coach, it's, it might be changing a person's position or, or maybe saying, you know what, you're not the starter anymore. 
those are hard things for, for kids to hear, whether they're collegiates or, or high school kids. That's hard stuff. And I think sometimes as coaches, we might be just too whimsical and just do it and not realize, all right, how am I going to affect that young man? How am I going to affect that young lady yeah. when I do that? That's so spot on that depth chart means. It's, so it's a huge thing, and it's something that lasts forever. You know, yeah, it just is. It um, and I'm glad that I gave you something good, but I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there that maybe are going to, you know what, but Herm said this, and it makes me feel bad. And it, ma and it makes me feel bad that I wasn't maybe a little more responsible of how I would handle those things, especially as a younger coach. And um, kind of comes with the territory, though, as a football yeah. coach. You're not going to make everybody happy, yeah, no right. doubt about that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's hard to, but right. so. Good. I guess that would be one thing I would think about more is, be respectful of that person. How can I, what can I say that will make this work better for him or her? Right. And not just be flippant about it. Mm -hmm. and, um, right. and sometimes it might have sound flippant. And we really did prepare because I know there's some situations where I was involved with where we prepared before we talked to those athletes about things and it still didn't go great. And, you know, I feel, I feel bad for them. And I, you know, but right. what do you do? You know, right. it's. So, yeah, it's life, yeah. Unfortunately, it's life. So, mm -hmm. yeah. um, so we want to kind of transition into like now from what Austin told me, you're a man of faith, and um, I try to be fail often. And we're not, so we all we all do though. Yeah, yeah. And that's the awesome piece about it is right. that we can fail all we need to because right. the grace of Jesus Christ is always there. Right. He right. loves us regardless of what right. of what we do, which right. is amazing. Right. So <laughs> if you think about that, right. It's a, I mean, it's a, a very profound thought. But so, so we wanted to kind of get like the thing we talk about at Yoakum Strength all the time is is, and we talked about it at the St. Thomas football program is what's your why? What's your purpose for living? And why are you here? Um, and I don't know. It might take a different form for you, but mm -hmm. I think it's always usually the same. Like, what's your purpose? What's your why? Do you have right. like a theme that you kind of live by? What like a guiding light, or what? Do you have something yeah. along those lines that you you'd be willing to share? It's interesting when you when you get prepared for a podcast, <laughs> you think about stuff that, um, that tends to start to matter in life, especially with some of the questions you guys have come up with, which are really awesome. And um, interestingly enough, I was reading an article <laughs> and it was about Mitchell Trubris Trubrisky. Oh you know? my gosh, let's and, go. And I'm a, I'm a Bears fan. Yes, <laughs> let's go. Bear down, baby. <laughs> oh, gross. Sorry. All right. But he had, and it was an article, and, and there was two things that I took away from it that part of it we already talked about. It's how you treat people and your, and your attitude, for one, how you treat people. But then the other thing was being grateful. And, you know, we have a room in, in, our, in our football uh, football room here at, at Bethel that we have some really cool slogans on the, on the wall, like run to the fight and be grateful. And, mm -hmm. and one of the coaches said, you know, it's great to have that stuff on the wall, but if you're not doing it, what good is it? And interestingly enough, Mitchell Trubisky had a deal on being grateful. And I have a lot of things to be grateful for. Um, the stuff I was able to do in, as, a, as a high school coach and uh, even as a collegiate athlete and you know, um, having a so-so career, and, you know, I'm grateful for that stuff though. And thinking about stuff I have an opportunity to do here at Bethel, I'm grateful. To do a podcast with you guys, I'm grateful. I mean. You think about stuff. Uh, I got to play racquetball with one of my receivers today. <laughs> I'm grateful for that. It was awesome. It was so much fun. But I think if there's something that I, I would want to chart, try to be more of is grateful. Grateful for my wife. Grateful for my kids, my grandson. You know, 
grateful for guys I get to work with. Um, and when you can start to think about that stuff, your life goes so much easier. I mean, it's just, it's just an easy day. It really is. And even, even when you have to be grateful for stuff that, that sucks, you know, that, that can kind of change you a little bit, you know. You know, they talk about iron sharpening iron and, and about, you know, biblical stuff that people go through. Like, man, they're going through hell, mm -hmm. but they're still claiming their Lord, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're grateful for that. And isn't life better when you're grateful for stuff? Yeah, 100%. And that's... I mean, doesn't really matter what it is, yeah. you know. It's freaking awesome. It's an unbelievable mindset. Yeah. You can dig a ditch. If you can be grateful for that, your day is going to go a lot easier than if you hate digging ditches. 100%. And that's like the thought process, like what I try and like tell people just because it's like, so what I think one of the main points of this podcast right now is trying to get that thought process across just because a lot of times right now, especially in a lot of peers our age, um, they're starting jobs that they're not really in love with. They're, they they kind of really started it not based off their passion, not based off their why, and they're kind of starting to hate it. And they go to it, and they go with that mindset, like, this job sucks. Right. Like, I'm stuck. This job sucks. Uh, I'm gonna be stuck here. I'm My not loving sucks. this. My life sucks, that type of thing. And I just, that, that mindset, and that is, I really wanna, that's one of my main goals in life, is to try and show that to people, to yeah. like, it, it doesn't matter what you're doing. And like maybe the job isn't what you love, but find something that you love and bring that to the job. Mm -hmm. Find mm -hmm. find just a part of that that realize that your life doesn't have to suck. If that makes sense. No, and I think that probably wraps back into attitude. You know, you can come to any, you go to anything with a lousy attitude, it's gonna be lousy. Yeah. You could go to you're on the New England Patriots, Super Bowl champions. You can be practicing with the New England Patriots and life could suck if you have a lousy attitude, mm -hmm. you know, and all the way down to like I just said, maybe I'm digging a ditch and it's with a shovel. Yeah. It's not even with a backhoe, which I mean, would be kind of cool. That, that, that's that's <laughs> you know, what we did for 15 years. You know, you know, you know like, doing that kind of stuff. But if you can bring joy to that stuff, um, it can be an amazing day. Yeah. And that's like one of the things like I try and like some of the happiest people I know are like janitors and like you said, like ditch diggers. And it's just cause like, it's not what they do. It's like how they how they bring it. how what they bring to it. What exactly. attitude they bring to it. And that's it. like yeah. no matter. And I just think a lot of people our age think well. Once they hit that next promotion, right? And that when they hit that next step, maybe in a year right. this job won't suck. Sign. That type of thing. I mean, it, it doesn't have to suck now. No. Right. right. Yeah. You know. And, well, and all, I think all the more too. Like I've seen this with adults that I know is, it's always we we spoke about this the other day too. Austin was it's always like oh if I can just have if I can just get the promotion I'll be happy oh if I can just get $200,000 a year I'll be happy oh if I can just get um, something If it's always it's just one limit one thing that's keeping them from being happy and it's always going to be like that unless you just I know I really struggle with it so it's obviously hypocritical when you say it, but I'm trying to just be grateful for every single thing that you have like that's ultimately the only way you can look at things yeah, yeah. I think that's like one of the best things about being in Foley is like mm. you get to kind of see the spectrum going from mm -hmm. Foley to the cities is you get yeah. to see that spectrum of it doesn't matter what level you're at for happiness for fulfillment in life because uh, I met I mean met a lot of rich people when you go to the cities and you don't really have that in Foley you know like you go to Foley and you're with uh, I don't know like middle class middle America. class yeah America and you just 
you see a ton of people that are just loving life in fully and then you would go to the cities and you would see people that have money on money and you would talk to them thinking like wow they, they have it figured out they have life figured out and they're miserable and it is not fulfilled uh, they don't know what they want to do and I mean you would you if just from the outside perspective from the fully perspective from the fully bubble you would look at that and be like wow that dude has it and they don't see that they don't see that fulfillment they don't feel that fulfillment I think that's one of the things that like I don't know I that's why I don't want I try not to be harsh on people for not seeing that because in my head like I have the two-sided perspective I've seen both sides where a lot of people I think haven't been able to see that two sides and I don't that's why I don't love being hypocritical or like on people about that right Mm -hmm. Right. because then it can bounce back to the same thing if you you know, being respectful for everybody what, where they're at because yeah. you don't know what your words could say to them or mean to them. It could be really bad or it could be great, but you got to be very careful about that. Um, but I think if you bring that, that piece of just, hey, find something that's, that, that's joyful for you, even if it's a tough situation at work or your job or whatever, you know, find some joy. Yeah. All right. Well, no. All right. We can cut this part of the podcast out, but we're – we were Austin and I weren't sure if we were going to address it or not. The you, you're currently suffering from cancer, yeah. right? Yeah, you can. I talk about that just fine. Yeah. See, okay, that's the type of guy this this man is. <laughs> he hasn't even right. made mention that he had overcome cancer. Well, in, in, in the meanwhile, like that's insane, man. Yeah. Like that's and wow. So yeah. Um, yeah, and, and you, pro- it's probably a, a wow. it's probably a good platform because <laughs> uh, my wife and I have noticed when people see it, see me, they kind of give me a look like, "Are you all right?" <laughs> they don't really know, and so maybe this will help that in, yep. in a sense. Um, so you know, I was the last when was it? It was when you were playing yep. at St. Thomas, so your senior year. Um, I found out that August like August 2nd or something like that, that I had prostate cancer. Um, so August 2nd, I find out I have cancer. I got football starting in what, a week <laughs> or a week yep. and a half, something like that. And so um, so we went to the you know, went to the hospital, went to the uh, Mayo Clinic, and uh, it was confirmed that yes, I had it. It was fairly aggressive. Um, so I had, once I had my biopsy, I had to wait like six weeks to, to have the surgery. and. Um, so what I actually did is I had the surgery on our bye week right before, right before St. Thomas, <laughs> uh, and I didn't miss the game either. So. Miss, he was there. <laughs> um, but I, um, so I had I had uh, my prostate removed like like thousands of men have had, and okay. usually that's a great deal. And in, in the when I was at the Mayo Clinic, I said you're you're cancer free. Congratulations. Um, surgery was awesome, and it was you know functionality is back, which is awesome too. You know just. With the prostate cancer, there's a lot of urology issues that go on and um, everything really went well. Um, so we went back for our checkup. My wife and I drove down and went back for our checkup and uh, there was a PSA number, which is uh, kind of the cancer marker. It's a number for cancer and it should have been zero and it was 2.6. Mm-hmm. So I go to my urology team and they're like freaking, you know, well, we don't know what's going on here. So go down and we're gonna have you tested again. So went downstairs and it came back 2.9. So it was definitely there. So I had it again. Um, so we went up going, you know, making a long story short on it. Um, it ended up being stage four 
prostate cancer, so I moved to my bones. Um, had a spot on my sternum and on my rib, and we did a massive mother dose of radiation, and that just doubled it, so I went to like five. So then I went to five on my PSA. And uh, knew I then had to go to an oncologist and figure out what we were gonna do. In the meantime, my wife's a brainiac, so she's reading up on everything, and she's kind of giving me information, because I can't read, but <laughs> no. Uh, but anyway, so we were kind of, we kind of knew what some of the treatments were, and, and so we went to the oncologist at the Mayo, and just, just in, it wasn't jiving with us. And a little bit before that, uh, probably um, maybe two weeks before that, I had talked to uh, Dave Nelson from Minnetonka, I know him from Tackle Cancer. We worked on that with Randy Shaver and all that, you know, the ta Tackle Cancer, the fundraising and whatnot, and we were really heavily involved with it and uh, got to know Roseanne Shaver a little bit. And um, Dave said, you, you need to call Roseanne. He, she really has a great doctor for this stuff. I said, really? I'm going to call her. So I called her up, and two days later, she got me an appointment with, uh, with Dr. Rao down in, uh, at the U of M. And, um, so I went to the oncologist at the Mayo, I said, I have another appointment in the cities. And so I went to that appointment, which was another, you know, it was kind of a, a second, you know, opinion. Mm -hmm. And he said, we're gonna slow down and let's check this thing out. You, you are a difficult case. So he went through that. He went through all the scans and everything, talked to some people at a conference and with his team and, and came up with the fact, let's go, uh, let's go with a two-prong attack. We're gonna go with uh, chemo, so chemotherapy, and then a, a really powerful drug called Lupron. And I'm, if this is a platform which can, if, if men my age or, or even younger can hear this, you know, you need to get your PSA checked. It's, I did not feel sick at all. I mean, did I look sick? I saw you a couple times in a weight room. I was fine, wasn't yeah. I? I mean, I, there was nothing wrong with me. I could never tell. But I had cancer brewing in my body I didn't even know about. Um, so the Lupron is a drug which, which basically shuts down your testosterone. So and we know what that's like in this field. I mean, mm -hmm. weight training, man, you need to have some testosterone. Yeah. Really a good friend, but, <laughs> but for this, it's a bad friend because it actually fuels cancer cells. It fuels my prostate cancer. So they cut that off the sleeve and then the, the uh, chemotherapy then killed the cancer that was out there. And I had cancer in my bones. As a matter of fact, I had more cancer than I thought on my bones because you can't, you can see a million cells with these scans, but you can't see 100,000. So the 100,000 ones were kind of all over in various spots. And so the chemotherapy, which I did all summer, last spring and last summer, um, it's all gone. Um, my PSA number is now less than 0.01. So that number is down. The cancer that was on my bones are, is, is gone at this time. The thing about prostate cancer though, and so you think about the grind and the strain on stuff, like, like when you're training through something, and I. Think about this in this sense too. Prostate cancer doesn't go away. You will always have it. There's always gonna be a piece of it there. Can we control it? Yeah, right now mine's controlled and it's in a great spot. The Lupron's doing a good job, the chemo did awesome. So I'm good now. But you know, having a place like this and you know the people I have back in Foley are awesome. And when I came to this school here, um, I had whole teams praying for me. I mean, and they would come up and tell me they were praying for me, and they would come around me and pray for me, and it's like the power of prayer is unbelievable. Um, you know, all the people who would send me notes, I never, I had so many people praying for me, I never once had any anxiety about anything. The chemo, I had one bad day, a cycle, essentially. 
I'd have one bad day of cycle where these guys here knew I wasn't going to be able to come to work, and I would stay home, and the next day I was always going back the right direction. And I, I, I really feel that was a God thing. I, I really do. Um, I know other people who struggled through it, and, and I'm not, and I kind of embarrassed sometimes when I say I went through chemo because it didn't seem like I did. Um, the support I had, the prayer power I had, and then just dealing with stuff. And I think the mindset that I was taught about grinding through stuff with weight training and, and that kind of stuff. And I worked out the whole summer. I never stopped because I, I didn't want to stop. For one, it was a great thing to distract me. So maybe that was part of it. But um, I heard just so many things. You got to keep working. Got to keep working out. Got to keep grinding. So I did. And maybe I did too much. <laughs> well, on a, on a, a story about that is <laughs> so, uh, my cousin and I showed up for a workout and we thought we, we were cool. Uh, we were going to show up early and we showed up at like 6.05 and we're like, this is early in the morning. We're ready to work out. And we open up the door, the lights are already on, and Coach Herm's full sweat. Full sweat, <laughs> full workout. Coach Herm's battling cancer and just grinding through this. And he beats us to this workout. And just like any, any, anything we thought about like being tired or talking about how we had to wake up early to go to this workout type thing, we're like, dude, we are so ridiculously blessed. And like you, you don't realize it until you like you put it in perspective like that. Yeah. And I put that I had the same perspective when I would go to the, you know, U of M Masonic uh, Cancer Center, and I'd be walking in with my wife, and I'm walking in, and I drove down, and I see people with limbs gone. I see people that are so underweight that you know that they're on their their last days, mm -hmm. and I think about them and I go, toughen up, her. I mean, you got no problems. <laughs> you got no problems compared to those folks. And, and I mean, you, you know, it's all perspective. You had a different perspective because, you know, of the, what you saw me doing. And then I go down to a cancer place or the Mayo Clinic and I see what folks are really dealing with. It's like, got it good. Got it good. Yeah. That, that message right there yeah. needs to be broadcasted yeah, to millions of people. <laughs> I don't just know to, just, just yeah. to break. People, the people's cycles, people's bubbles of just woe is me, yeah, and uh, just just breaking that cycle. Of you, he just said toughen up her, and he he's going in for chemo treatment. Toughen up her, like I, you have a coach. There's people yeah. sitting behind a desk that are oh, they totally healthy, yeah. totally have their life. They're making fifty thousand dollars a year sitting behind a desk, and they're woe is me. My yeah. life is tough. Coach, I was complaining today, and <laughs> well, here, I have to kind of tell you a trick though to chemo, and. There's a drug they give you a few days before chemo that's amazing. <laughs> it's, called, it's a steroid of some sort. And the first time I was on it, um, I did so much work. <laughs> I mean, it hypes you up. I, I put all our mulch down. I went for a bike ride and it lifted. And I did all this work for like two or three days straight. And, and then you crash and burn. But oh, while you're on that steroid high, it's... Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> I don't recommend it to anybody. Um, it's, it's a steroid used for chemo, not for getting big and strong. But it's, uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, but then you crash and, and you burn and you get up and you're fine. That just rocked my world. Yeah. yeah so that, was freaking, that was freaking awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So, thank you for your testimony, testimony and yeah. for your life. And you, so you talked about how you never really felt any dark days. Is that you saying that now, or was there a point where, when you were battling this, where you felt like you hit kind of like that rock bottom? 
my wife was amazing. Our friends were amazing. My church was amazing. And I, I even say the people here at Bethel was a church for me too. I can honestly tell you that I didn't go through any of those dark days unless I was, unless when the chemo kind of hit me physically, it feels like you have the flu really bad. I, I didn't vomit or anything like that. I was just kind of aching. I knew I had to sleep. So I just did. I, and my wife was really good. And you know what? You got to go sleep. No big deal. So she understood that. And, you know, the power of prayer of just people and the power of us praying together, my wife and I, um, just puts things in perspective. Um, and I, I never had a dark day. I just, I never really did. Um, and if I did, and if I started slipping into that, I could just think back to those people I saw at the Masonic and going, what about those people? You know, you know, I know of a guy in our church that has got, he, he used to be at our church, he has, he has brain cancer. You know, he doesn't have a, he has some really tough stuff going on, you know. Um, and so, I, I honestly don't think mine was as hard as it, it may have appeared. Um, but I, I think that that, and I'm going to say it, that supernatural power of, of my God helping me made a huge difference. And, um, you know, I, and I know this is, you know, whether it's politically correct or not, it, 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 Jesus saves, and he saves a lot of things, and this is part of it. And um, it was amazing. Awesome. So I'm not going to, I can't lie. Yeah. I mean, Jesus is going to know if I'm lying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's the beauty of the podcast is you don't have to be politically. I love it. Yeah, love oh, it. I'm yeah. so happy. Cool. cool. Beautiful. All right. Freaking awesome. I'm, I'm jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how. Get two young strapping guys here and you're, you're, you're jacked up from a 59-year-old hazmat. <laughs> Who has more balls than I don't know if no. I'll ever have. More man, wow! That is that's 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 absolutely everyone cool. needs to hear that, and especially me. Good, if well, I fed into you. I'm I'm glad to. Thank glad you. To. Yeah. Well, now transition to the unimportant stuff. Yeah. Weight training. <laughs> so we're gonna go into some of the weight training. Oh boy! Talk about that. Oh, so boy. one of my biggest questions was, what was the biggest transition for you? And you talked, you mentioned the prehab and the rehab. What was that big jump for you from the high school to the college setting? Or like what clicked in your head? What was the biggest change for you? I guess the thing, and, and I'm still learning it, to be honest with you. Um, with, with listening with Coach Meyer and watching athletes do things and when they can't engage certain muscles, you know, when yep. they can't engage their glutes, this is what's going to happen. When they can't, um, when they don't take care of the posterior chain, this is what's going to happen to their shoulders. And all those little things like that, which is still a myriad of things for me to learn. You know, I was a physical education major, not a biokinetics major. So I, those different things that they learn you know, through biokinetics is amazing. And I, I work with some, just some young guys that are, are kind of helping us out. And you know, they help us set racks up and stuff, but they, they have some amazing background from their biokinetics. And so learning about that stuff is amazing. Um, functionality, you know, how to land when you jump, mm -hmm. you know, how to, how to prepare your body to land and then be able to react back up. Those are things that make and break athletes. And 100%. at this level, at the college level, you know, you try to teach the high school kid, you know, and I, and I remember sometimes some receivers I worked with and they'd have a false step. And yeah, what's that matter, coach? I said, well, it matters a lot, you know. <laughs> now the guys here really understand it because they know the difference between 
a touchdown and not a touchdown is sometimes six inches. That one percent, yeah. And so that little piece that might have happened from that false step might have been why you missed that ball, you know. So taking care of those little details like that is huge. Learning functional strength and then something I never did before was to weave that into the program. You know, weave some of that functional movement stuff in or weave, weaving hurdle hops into the program, weaving uh, skater jumps into the program, weaving, um, taking care of uh, even stretching right in the middle of the workout. Mm-hmm. I do that all the time though. You know, when you get chemo stuff, some stuff kind of gets wrecked. So I go to a, a cancer oncologist who's awesome. And uh, I shouldn't say a cancer, a cancer physical therapist. Mm-hmm. And she's giving me some great stuff on things I need to do. And I, I've been weaving right into my workout so that that will help me in balance, even balance, you know, just like standing and standing and on one leg and curling with the other arm. Yep. Okay. Do you ever need to do that? How many times are you on one foot in a sport? A ton. Hello. And did I ever work that before? No. Um, so those are little things that I think are amazing and it makes you more functional as an athlete. And so if you're training to be an athlete, that's functions you need. If you're training to survive as an 84 year old man, so who doesn't want to fall, Balance is huge. Agility is huge. Because when you break that hip, you are probably on a death sentence. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times when folks break those bigger bones, they don't live much longer. So even being able to work with people like that and help them move better is a huge deal for their life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about life now. We're talking about athletes wanting to get better on the field or the court or whatever. Um, so all those things wrapped into functionality is huge. you know, And not just that big bench, or not that's that big squat that that's either here nor there you know are you doing it correctly for one is your form impeccable is two but how is that going to carry over then to your sport yes you know should you be doing bulgarians instead of squatting you know maybe the squat gives you that nice base but then get on that one foot and get bulgarians going or split squats or whatever you might be moving into so all those things are things i've learned and um, wish I knew before. Uh, that's, I mean, that's pretty how, good. How good would you be if, if I'd have done that earlier? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, once again, I think you give me a really yeah, good yeah, base yeah. compared Basic, to a lot yeah. of people, but yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's 100% what we talk about. Every single time I tell my athletes, I, it's like, I don't care about how far, how high, how much. I care about how you do it. Right. And it's like, I don't care if you can triple, like broad jump 15 feet, but if you're crashing, your knees are coming in. Like, right. that, like you got you to attack what's going to transition to the field and then build up from there. Sure. And I think a lot of people are just kind of taking, they're trying to skip stuff. They're trying to skip the foundation. They're trying to mm-hmm. skip that base. And like, once again, transitioning from, and that's one of the, Mike Boyle was talking about this, about how the weight room, and most everything we do in the weight room is in the vertical plane, uh, squats, all that type of stuff. And everything we do on the field is horizontal plane. Yeah. And that's where we try and bridge that gap of, the GPP to the SVP, the uh, in the weight room stuff to the field. So, like you said, instead of doing that squat, you do a Bulgarian. Instead of doing that splat, squat, you do uh, a sled push, mm-hmm. and trying to transition that sure. to the field. Yep. So I really like it's that. Big stuff. It's yeah, big, it's big stuff. stuff. It's big stuff. And then, like again, with the the mobility and um, balance and that type of stuff, just one of the biggest things I focused on was if you don't put it in your workout, not gonna do it. They're not gonna do it. No. I, and I'm like 100%, I know myself, like if I don't put it in my workout yeah, right. and I know all yep. this stuff, yep. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So why would my athletes who want to get in and out of the weight room and they want to play their sport because they're athletes, they're not weight room heroes, right. they're athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, if I know all this stuff and I'm not doing it, why would they? Right. So that was one of the biggest like 
key is I'm like, I gotta put it in my workout now. Because yeah. I can tell them as much as I want. Yeah. If I don't make them do it, they're not gonna do it. It's not because they're bad people, it's not because they don't wanna work, no. it's because they're people. They're people, <laughs> yeah. And, and I, that was my takeaway with, and cancer gave me another good thing. I mean, I learned something about myself that if I don't put things in my workout and I see it, and we mentioned our, you know, the system that we use, um, I take the rehab stuff that she wants me to do and I stick it in my workout yeah. and it's right there. So it's the next thing I got to do. It's in my block. Yo. You, know, you know, if I don't do it, then what's wrong with me? Then you didn't do your you workout. Know? I didn't do my workout. Yo. So even if it's just a, um, a push-up march on the walks, I need a, some scap issues. If I don't put that in my workout, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's made a big difference in my body fighting that crud I'm fighting and then doing that stuff that will help me from a physical, a physical standpoint that got wrecked from the chemo. So. Yeah. So I learned another thing because of cancer. See, freaking love that. Taking the there's a lot of good things that can happen. I don't recommend getting it, but <laughs> that's, <laughs> but. that's exactly right. That's the best way to look at it. I think. I think. Side note: Aside from training, I think it's just. Austin was telling me on the way in here. I was asking him about how you like to train and how you trained them and how you trained those guys in high school. And he said you guys did bench squat, deadlift three times a week. No, we did deadlift. We cleaned. Oh, clean. Sorry. Yep. 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 That's right, clean. And and you started working at Bethel how long ago? Um, two years ago. So your willingness to learn, I mean, you preach it and you live it because you've changed so much yep. in two years. That yep. that's pretty yep. pretty awesome to hear. And and to correct him on that. We, we would do the squat movement three times. Yeah. So yeah. we would do oh, maybe an overhead squat or a front squat. So I, yeah. But before yeah. that, before I didn't, I really didn't know anything, then it was probably <laughs> squat in three days. Right. But okay. I think that movement, it can be done twice a week For at sure. least, you know. For sure. And so, you know, and then the push movement and so. You're talking to a guy who did legs every day for about five months last year. <laughs> <laughs> very stupid. All right, you're feeling, you're still feeling it today. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So my um, one of the other things I like to focus on. What's your like goal for every athlete that you have? Like, what's the overarching goal? So, am I training him, or am I just I'm just his coach? You, you, am I his? Am I a mentor to that person or am I? Well, I think as a coach, you're a mentor as a. Right. Yeah. I guess I can look at it two different ways. Okay. And I, I wish I would have done more of this as a high school coach. And if it's typically I can, because I'm a man, I can, I can affect men more mm -hmm. than I can women. Although I like to bring energy to my, to the ladies I coach. I coach softball and track and, um, and volleyball. They're all in women's hockey. I coach all those. They're all women. Right. I mean, I get both sides. I get the men and I get the women. But when I'm dealing with a man, a young man, there's more to just the sport that you want to feed into him. Um, and trying to get back to how are you going to, how are you going to be as a husband? How are you going to be as a dad? How are you going to be just as a, an employee? How are you going to be as an employer? Mm -hmm. You know, how are you going to be? You can, sport allows itself to train you in that without having to take a class on it. And it's probably a whole lot more effective than a class because now you're dealing with, you're not dealing with death, but let's face it, football players are modern day gladiators. Yep. And it's, you, you put yourself in the line, you could get hurt. It's a sport that's getting a lot of publicity about you know concussions and all this stuff. And I, I read a great article, um, amazing, I read it. Um, <laughs> 
It was, I think it was actually a neurosurgeon. And she was saying, there's so much good that can come out of football that I'm not going to tell my son not right. to play it. And here he's a, she's a neurosurgeon and sees stuff. But there's so much better stuff that comes out of it. Yeah. Is there a concussion possibly? Sure. You know, you can get a concussion slipping on the ice. You know, there's a lot of ways you can get concussions. And I understand there's a lot of things where the pounding and all that. And I think sport is starting to realize that. I mean, look at, I think about how I coached and how I played back in the 70s. And now how what we're doing is so much different. I mean, we would go three days and we would hit every period. (laughs) Every period we would hit. I mean, live. I'm not talking about thud. I'm talking about live. And now, how often do you hit? Yeah. In a given week, how often do you really hit each other? Well, game. The game. Let's say Thomas was we quite a lot. Did you quit? Did you did you hit quite a bit? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it's really evolved to the point where you don't as much as you did. And yes. um, I think it sure. saves athletes and I think allows them to play the game. And getting rounding back to the deal is that that sport is kind of a microcosm of life. And now I can feed into those athletes about that. I wish I would have done that more as a high school coach. You claim I did, but I think I could have done more. Um, the other piece is if I'm teaching him just as an athlete and not worried about his character, which would be stupid, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I want him to move well. I want him to do everything he can efficiently. I want him to come out of his stance in a in a very efficient matter to give him the best chance to, to win that particular play. Um, if I'm not doing that, I'm not doing him service. Mm-hmm. And if, even if it's just, and, I, and I'm like the assistant receivers coach here at, at Bethel, uh, Coach Peterson is the offensive coordinator and receivers coach and I help him out as well. So if I can't dig out some little details of just hand placement on stock blocking or, or the false step, then I'm not doing my job in that respect. But if I'm also not finding time to feed into them or you know, had a young man today, hey coach, can I come and talk to you? I need, I got one, just want to talk about some stuff. Absolutely. If I said, nah, you know, I'm too busy, I got the strength stuff mm-hmm. doing it. No, I got to find time for him, right? And I enjoy that because I feel that enough people did it to me that I want to be able to do it to, to I want to pay back. 100%. Give it to somebody else. You know? That's one of my biggest things is like the, being a coach is like the physical mm-hmm. aspect is a part. And it's, it's, it's the physical aspect's a part, your sport's a part, but like it's such a small part. Mm-hmm. And that's why like, I end every set, every lifting session we have with a, a meditation and visualization. And that's where I talk to them about like their why, their, their focus on life, every single decision that they make uh, when they're not with us. Because they're making good decisions when they're with us, when they're in the spotlight. So as I break it down to like you're two hours with us at max. So say you're two hours with us. You have 22 hours of your life that you're spent. So are you going to be, and I break it down. So like, are you, are you an eight and two man the rest of those 22 hours? Or are you a national champion the rest of those two yeah, hours? Right. You know, like yeah. a, Every single like this two, if you're a national champion for those two hours and you're an eight and two man for those other twenty two hours, you're going to be an eight and two team, and mm-hmm. an eight and two like you said employer, an eight and two employee, uh, and I just try to get into their head about you got to be a national champion in every single part of your life. You have to be a champion in every single part of your life because uh, those two hours with us, uh, if you're if you're winning, then like and you're taking that to your other 22 hours during your period, but you're not really transitioning and making it together, eventually those two hours with us, when you graduate, are gonna be gone. Yeah. So like, you, you gotta train them to yeah, make that transition. So exactly. that they have something to build off of, and yeah. maybe they'll share that too. Yeah. They'll, you know, it just keeps going then, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. beautiful.
Oh, did you put this question in here? Who is your most favorite athlete? <laughs> yeah, I deleted that when I said that to him as a joke. No, <laughs> of course it's you, Austin. <laughs> See, I feel I, that's why I did. I uh, I typed it up and then I put my own name in there, and I was gonna send it to you, but then I'm like, he's gonna yeah. make fun of me if I do that. So I did it. Oh, I, um, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with so many, so many great kids, mm-hmm. um, and like I said earlier, there's some that really stick out, and um, so to say there's one or there just isn't. There's so many. I, I've been blessed to. I'm grateful, you know, to not only here at Bethel, where I've just a litany of kids that have been really fun to work with, but obviously 35 years at Foley, um, I can tell us a lot of stories. And that was <laughs> like, a lot that, of great kids. And once again, like when I put your name out there, just like the response you got back from these kids talking about the, the effect you had on their life and just like the foundation and then how pumped they were to hear this and oh like hear your side of the story <laughs> and that type of stuff. Yeah. Was, it was awesome. Well, hopefully they learned something from it, or you know, and and, and maybe uh, you know if there's something they need to, they need, you know, find find a way to get a hold of me. I'd yeah. love to talk or chat. And yeah, it goes way beyond just just the weight room and running sprints and pushing sleds at the field house and yes. you know all those things we did. Um, it goes beyond that. So for sure. Yeah. Is there? Uh, I have one question. Oh, What's your? Who's your favorite athlete as a fan? As a fan? Yeah. Boy, you know, my kids and I grew up with, um, as they were growing up, um, with Michael Jordan. Um, and it was on WGN Chicago. That's right. And we got that on our cable. Yeah. And so my sons and I would watch that all the time. We'd have dinner and the Bulls were on. Mm-hmm. And so to watch him was amazing. And to watch, and then and actually win championships was really cool, mm-hmm. you know. Of course, you know, Walter Payton was a childhood deal because cool. he, he had such a great – uh, attitude with life and the way he worked and I saw it firsthand I got a chance to go down to Platteville and watch their practices and who was the last guy off the field was Walter Payton and he was the last guy by probably a half an hour I mean he was out there doing other extra stuff and here's a guy who won a Super Bowl yeah. I mean he didn't score a touchdown Ditka, Ditka. Um, <laughs> but anyways um, and I so I really enjoyed him but I you know and I'll, I'll be I'm biased I mean I, I've enjoyed watching the Bears this year I didn't enjoy watching them last year as a matter of yeah. fact I became a closet Viking fan for a while there. Oh. Mm. Um, mm. I did I did and it then me to hear. Love it. It, it, it was hard but I'm a lot older bear fan than you are, yeah, you are. <laughs> so but um, but it was fun to watch them this year there was a, a lot of good players and, and just their whole scheme is kind of fun to watch so this year as a fan I really enjoyed yeah, doing absolutely. that so. yeah, Bears I think are going to be really it could be. It could be. Could, but, you know, there's always those windows. you got to make hay when you can. So. Right. It's awesome having you on, Coach. Really, yeah, really appreciate it. I'm, I just really enjoyed talking with you and fun to reminisce about stuff and think about, you know, just where you're trying to make your mark in life. So appreciate that. I think that listeners are going to – my mind is blown right now, and I think theirs is – they're going to love it. I think <laughs> they're going to love it. Thank you guys for listening. Um, Keep on your programming. Keep on chopping wood. Be grateful. (laughs) Be grateful.